As expected, Tennessee has promoted quarterbacks coach Joey Halsley to the offensive coordinator position. What this means for Tennessee, both in recruiting and for just the functionality of this offense, that's a whole lot more here on a Friday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into it. Locked on balls. Getting you ready for the weekend. Some of you guys might be listening to this on a Friday afternoon, but a lot of you guys are listening to this on a Friday morning. It just feels like the weekend, that first week back from the new year. I know you're happy to uh, to, to see it be Friday, so we're going to have a, a little fun here on today's episode of Locked on Balls. It's brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online's got you covered this season. More props and odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. I'm your host, Eric Kane. As always, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Kaner at Locked On Balls. Thanks for making Locked On Balls your first listen. On YouTube, please like, thumbs up, heart this video. Please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And thanks so much for listening wherever you find your podcast. Every single day, it's a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So, uh, what we have in store here for today is Tennessee has announced the offensive coordinator has been promoted from within. That is Alec, No, that is Joey Halsley. Um, I about said Alex Golish. Alex Golish was the previous offensive coordinator here for the first two years of the high regime. He left last month, of course, to go and take over the head coaching duties at USF, University of South Florida. So good for Joey Halsey. And that's something that we've been expecting. Um, you know, even it, we knew that it was going to be a tight ends hire, and Josh Heupel made it made that official, you know, even on the record last week at the Orange Bowl, prior to the Orange Bowl, saying, yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to hire a tight ends coach, yada, yada, yada. So with him even putting it out there on the record like that, you knew that the offensive coordinator position was going to be promoted from within, and the obvious choice and the obvious candidate was going to be Joey Halsey. Now, it was either going to be Halsey or Glenn Ellerby. Halsey's been with Heupel for 15 years. We'll get into that here in a moment. Glenn Ellerby, the Tennessee offensive line coach, has been with Heupel for like seven years. It could have been a situation where it was kind of both of them, and Halsley had passing game coordinator responsibilities, and, and Glenn Ellerby had run game coordinator responsibilities. You see that oftentimes in, in big-time football programs. It's just an easy way to essentially give these guys more money. Um, I don't know if Glenn Ellerby is going to get a, a raise or anything like that. He's already making a pretty uh, pretty substantial figure. But uh, Joey Halsey, Halsley, he was making, what, $400,000, maybe $350,000 last year. He now doubles his salary up to $850,000 uh, for the 2023 season. That's his amended contract that went into place on December the 16th and was signed off by Chancellor Don DePlowman on December the 23rd. So the, these wheels have been in motion for a little bit. But, you know, congratulations to Joey Halsley. This is this is pretty neat for him. He's a guy that, I mean, he's been with he's been with Heupel since 2009, essentially. I mean, that's, uh, well, he's been with Heupel even before that. So Josh Heupel in 2006, I think, came back to Oklahoma after he went and uh, he was a graduate assistant in Oklahoma when he got done playing. Then he went somewhere and coached for like a year or two and then came back. And Joey Halsley played for Josh Heupel as his quarterback's coach from 06 to 08, I believe, and then served under Heupel, you know, really since 09. He was the offensive quality control assistant in Oklahoma from 09 to 2011. 
Uh, that's when Heupel was the co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of the Sooners. He was a graduate assistant at Oklahoma from 2012 to 2014. He followed Heupel to Utah State as an offensive analyst and an assistant quarterbacks coach. Um, he had the same role at Missouri in 2016 when Heupel made the jump to the SEC. And... Um, that's when Heupel was the OC and the quarterbacks coach there. Um, Halsley then joined Heupel at UCF in 2019 and then, of course, made the way to Tennessee uh, in January of 2021. He served as quarterbacks coach for Josh Heupel, and uh, <laughs> and uh, now he's the offensive coordinator. So, And I've heard this you know, mentioned countless times, and I've heard Heupel mention this and Joey Halsley mention this. Um, he is an extension of Josh Heupel. Um, everything in the system, everything that is taught to the quarterbacks, he is literally the right-hand man to Josh Heupel because, again, he was coached as a player by Josh Heupel, and every single stop in his coaching career has been with Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel has been there, and he's been involved with that. So this was, you know, this was not a not a shock whatsoever in terms of, you know. You know who was going to be hired. If it was internal, it was going to be him the entire time. And now the question is, who's Tennessee going to hire as a tight ends coach? So we now know officially Tennessee is promoted from within. Quarterbacks coach Joey Halsley to the offensive coordinator, and Tennessee still needs to fill the tight end position. And uh, that will come in the coming days to weeks, in my estimation. Still not a whole lot of chatter on that front, but I think this one was kind of done, you know, a while ago, and they were just kind of getting past the bowl game and signing day and all that type of stuff. Uh, to kind of kind of make that official. So uh, Joey Halsley will still continue to coach the quarterbacks um, out at practice. Josh Heupel's not with the quarterbacks much. I um, would imagine that you know he he gets in there and, and runs drills with them a lot, and you know, obviously meets with them in the meeting room and coaches them up there. But you know Joey Halsley he he runs that quarterback room, and uh, again he's a big reason for the success of Hendon Hooker the last two years and Joe Milton's progression each of the last two years as well. And Ultimately, having Joe Milton play the, the way he did in the Orange Bowl. So, what do you think? You know, Tennessee has announced the hiring, the promotion, if you will, of Joey Halsley, and and again, that continues to keep the continuity on board. That continues to keep everything on the same page. You have Josh Heupel, who's been with Joey Halsley for 15 years, with Glenn Ellerby for seven years, um, with Jerry Mack just for two years. They just started working together here. Uh, Kelsey Pope now, you know, he's he was here when Heupel was here his first year. So two years of Kelsey Pope, and you know it'll be interesting to see who he brings in as a tight ends coach. I don't think it'll be a big splashy hire by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, let's let's be real here, guys. I mean, you know, it's a great gig for a rising coach, but at the end of the day, it's just a position coach in college football. So it won't be you know paid that much. It's not going to come with another title, to my knowledge. Um, but uh, that's kind of the direction that Tennessee is moving in. So, um, yeah, I pretty much expected, became official on Thursday, and now the the motion now or the the thought process now moves towards a tight end hire for Josh Heupel and this Tennessee football team. Uh, Joey Halsley, I uh, really really like him. He carried himself uh, like a guy who was about to be named the offensive coordinator. Uh, this was uh, in Miami last week, prior to the um, you know prior to. Uh, the the Orange Bowl, where it was press conference settings to where defensive players met with defensive players and defensive coordinator would go and kind of do breakout sessions. And then the next day, the, the offensive coordinator and offensive players would kind of come and do the same thing. Well, you know, Joey Halsley was was the one that came with the offensive players. And, of course, Alex Golish was not with the team, and Josh Heupel had his own press conference. So, you know, that, that just made sense. But he carried himself. He spoke like, like a man with a ton of confidence. Uh, like a man that was confident in himself and in the system. And 
Um, I bet he knew at that point in time, easily at that point in time, that he was going to get that nod. He was going to be named the, the next offensive coordinator for Tennessee. Now, again, it'll be interesting to see here in the next couple of years how this transforms. Josh Heupel called plays in the Orange Bowl, and that's no surprise. I think Josh Heupel will call the majority of plays in 2021. But will Joey Halsley begin to get you know dip his toes in the water of play calling? If so, when will that happen, and how much will that come? Um, I I made the comment over VolQuest, I think in the Monday Night Chat the other night. You know, it was with with Golish and Heupel, it was two guys on the same wavelength working to accomplish the same goal. They trusted one another. Heupel trusted Alex Golish with his offense. With this up-tempo offensive scheme, I think Tennessee comes into every drive with four or five plays ready to go. And then kind of from there, I think it's uh, this is just my opinion and conversations with people close to the subject. I'm not saying this is exactly how it happens every single drive. But in my opinion, I think Alex Golish went and called those plays. And then Josh Heupel would jump in and interject and say, hey, let's do this here. Hey, let's do this here. We get this first down here. Let's do this. Two guys who were working together on headset to call a game. Um, I don't think it will be as much of that with Joey Halsley, at least in year number one as OC. But I'll be interested to see exactly if he gets to do any of that, how long it takes, and then ultimately how does that materialize over the next couple of years. But this is a really, really good step for Joey Halsley in his coaching career, as I'm sure one day he has aspirations to be a head coach as well, because you know that's that's kind of why you're in this industry. So congrats to Joey Halsley, Tennessee's new offensive coordinator. No surprise. Now the Volunteers will make moves to hire a tight ends coach here in the coming days to week. All right, when we come back, Tennessee Hoops is going to be on the road at South Carolina looking for a 3-0 start in SEC play. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. But first, I want to tell you, I want to remind you guys about a proud sponsor of the show. That is Bill Bar. Delicious treats, but you don't want all that fat and calories. you got to try Bill Bar. I know a lot of you guys are trying to eat healthier New Year's resolutions, but you don't want to compromise the taste and Man, that's, that, I got just the thing for you. It's Built Bar. You got to try it. Built, it's got healthy, that's actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you. Perfect for that New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. It's even better that they're healthy, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein in these Built Bars. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been saying on this podcast that you can order them at Built.com. Now, you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head over to your nearest Walmart, walk into the pharmacy section, grab a box of uh, of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, whatever you want, or go to your closest Sam's Club and run and grab a 13-bar box and hit up the flavors like brownie batter or churro. You can thank me later. Check them out at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, or as always, at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
All right, everybody, welcome back into your Friday edition of Locked on Vols. I am Eric Kane. Tennessee announces the promotion of Joey Halsley, quarterback's coach. He will retain that title, but now he'll slap on the new title of offensive coordinator, doubling his pay from $350,000 or right around $400,000 up to $850,000. So uh, that's awesome. Talk about getting paid, right? Um, that is that is a good thing for Joey Halsley. Uh, Tennessee basketball back in action tomorrow will be on the road to take on arguably, arguably the weakest the worst team in the Southeastern Conference, that is South Carolina. That game's going to tip in Columbia at 3.30 in the afternoon. You can watch it on the Watch ESPN app. Um, you can get it on the ESPN app, ESPN.com slash watch, all that good stuff. Kevin Fitzgerald and Mark Wise will uh, be on the call. Tennessee's 12-2 and overall in the season, coming off a monstrous offensive showing against Mississippi State, a great defensive Mississippi State team that was on Tuesday night. So 12-2 on the season, 2-0 in SEC play. And uh, South Carolina is 7-7 seven seven on the year, 0-1 in SEC play. It dropped its um, SEC opener to Vanderbilt's, I think. I think that was Vanderbilt's. Ooh, this is embarrassing. I think that was Vanderbilt. Yep, in overtime, 84-79. That was on Tuesday as well. Um, the big difference between these two teams, all right? Tennessee's ranked 8th in, in the nation. Uh, Tennessee is number two in the net rankings. South Carolina is unranked, and South Carolina comes in at number 255, 255th in the country, according to the net rankings. Uh, South Carolina has played one Quadrant One game so far this season. It was an 84-70 loss to UAB. Tennessee, meanwhile, has played in two Quadrant One games, a 1-1 one -one record. Of course, that one loss coming to Arizona on the road. Uh, Tennessee's played in six Quad Two games, 5-1 record, one Quad Three game, a 1-0 record, and four Quad Four games, a 5-0 record. So, um, I'm going to scroll all the way down here to find South Carolina, 255th in the country. I'm looking at the net rankings right now. Let's see here. All right, South Carolina. South Carolina, record 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, They are really, really good at home, 6-0 and oh on its home floor so far this season. But in quad one games, 0-1, oh quad two games, 1-1, one Quad three games, 0 and 5 on the season, which is really just horrendous. And quad four games, a perfect 6 and 0. South Carolina is not a very good ball club, but it does have freshman Phenon guard Gregory C.C. Jackson. He was the number one overall recruit for the class of 2023. He reclassified, went down to the class of 2022, and he's playing this year, averaging 16.9 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game. He is the only freshman in the country uh, to, I think it's, I think it's only a freshman in the country to do something. Let's see here. I'll find this here in a minute. It's again embarrassing. Here we go. Um, only freshman in the nation to score in double figures during every one of his team's games this season. He has scored 20 or more points in five games. There we go. That was the stat I was looking for right there. Um, really, really good player. Tennessee will have its hands full with CC Jackson. But that's about all for South Carolina. I mean, it really, really is. Um, Eli Sparkman is a native of Cleveland, Tennessee. If that does anything for you, he attended Baylor High School or Baylor School, which is 
um, interesting. It's got a uh, just six total returning players from last year's team. Four freshmen and four transfers have joined the New Look Game Gamecocks squad this season. So it's a little bit of a, a an interesting dynamic here. Lamont Paris is the first-year head coach. He spent the last five seasons at UT Chattanooga and actually played in the game up here in 2019 and didn't didn't lose that bad, uh, did the mocks. But, yeah, I mean, South Carolina is just not very good, you know, whatsoever, to be completely honest. So Tennessee is going to look to, again, we were talking about this with Ole Miss, but South Carolina is much, much, much worse uh, than Ole Miss so far this season. Uh, you got to watch out for C.C. Jackson, the, the freshman, but – that is really just about it. Tennessee's defense continues to be one of the best in the nation. For the sixth straight week, the Volunteers own the best adjusted defensive efficiency in the country per Ken Palm, only allowing 80.6 points per 100 possessions. That's number one in the country. Tennessee owns the best three-point defense in Division One. It's uh, .212. And the second best overall field goal percentage defense, while opponents are only averaging 33% from the field. In 14 games this year, uh, Tennessee opponents have managed to make only 66 three pointers, just 4.7 per game. So that's really good perimeter defense. Eight times this year, the Vols have held opponents to 50 points or less. Thought that was going to happen against Mississippi State again the other night, but. Uh, a little sloppy there in the last couple of minutes, but that's okay. It was still a mon monstrous win. Only two opposing players have scored 20 or more points against the Vols this year. Tennessee's trail at the break only once this season, outscoring opponents 35.8 points per game to 24.1 points per game in the first half action. So, in other words, they head to the halftime break, leading by an average of 11 points so far this season. The Vols have had 10 or more steals in nine games this year. Only Michigan State has had more 10 steal outings at 10 on the season, where Tennessee has nine. So, again, Tennessee's doing a, a really, really good job here of late. Two losses on the season, one to Arizona, one all the way back to Colorado, which was inexcusable at the time. But, hey, that's basketball for you, right? A Tennessee win on Saturday would give the Vols the first 3-0 start in SEC play since the 2018-19 season. Tennessee's been really good in SEC play the last couple of years. Has won 23 of its last 30 games. That's a 76 winning percentage. Santiago Vescovi has been a big reason for the success so far this season in SEC play. You remember a couple of weeks ago when he just couldn't buy a bucket? I mean, he was shooting, you know, so low um, in terms of his career shooting percentage, you know, from the field and from three, which is pretty much the same thing. He just jacks up those threes. But he was really, really struggling. He was shooting 27% from three-point range through UT's first 11 games. That was 22 of 79 attempts. But in the first, in the last three games, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and I guess it was Austin P. that last uh, non-con game, he is shooting 60% from three-point range. He's made 12 of 20. So Santiago Vescovi is on fire. He needs to continue to be on fire uh, moving forward into this one as well. Uh, Tennessee's leader in field goal percentage at 65% among rotational players is senior Uros Plofsic. He's made 24 of his last 31 shot attempts, but again, he doesn't shoot much. Was 5-for-5 five five against Mississippi State. He and Olivier Kumwa, they combined for 20 points. Both had 10, 20 points. Both had individually 10 points on 5-of-5 five five shooting from the field. That was, that was good to see. So you got one really good team. You got one really bad team. Tennessee should... Uh, Continue to work Josiah Jordan-James back into the mix. He got 17 minutes the other night. He scored a point. He said he felt great afterwards. That was really, really good to see. So um, I expect Tennessee to 
uh, be 3-0 and in SEC play about 5.30, 6 o'clock come Saturday evening. So that game will be on Watch ESPN. And, of course, you can follow Locked On Vols. I'll be retweeting stuff and uh, try to get a, a Locked On now after that game as well. Tennessee and South Carolina, that's coming up this weekend, 3.30, Saturday in Columbia, South Carolina. Hey, when we come back, we'll take a look at the defensive line. What's in store for 2023 for Rodney Gardner's group? That coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. All right, guys, we got a couple of minutes left here on this Friday edition of Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys for, uh, for being with me here today. A quick programming notes. I was going to wait till next week to say this, but just in case you want to be prepared, um, we'll be on five days next week. That's, that'll be normal. The following week, January, um, I guess it'll be 16th through the 20th or whatever, um, I'm going to be out of town all, all that week. going to be completely out of town. I will pre-record three episodes for that week. I'll probably drop them on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They'll be evergreen, so if anything breaks, <laughs> don't expect me to, to talk about that. But I will be out of the country, and um, so I'll pre- pre-record those next week. So that, that's the following week, January 16th through the 20th. I won't be here, but you'll have three episodes for that week. Uh, let's take a look at the defensive line, a uh, 2023 position look ahead. We'll take a look at Rodney Gardner's group that, again, was really productive this year. Tennessee was really good against the run. They have the second-best rush defense in the conference, surrendering only 111 yards on average on the ground a game. Not all because of the defensive line, but, of course, it all starts up front. Going to take a look at who's back, who's gone, and who was signed for Tennessee up front in the defensive line. Well, uh, Roman Harrison is expected to be back. I uh, went ahead and confirmed that before uh, before recording this. The expectation is he is he is going to come back. Everybody I talked to said, yeah, he's coming back. Um, that He'd be taking advantage of that COVID year. Uh, and that's good because I think Roman Harrison is has really turned into a productive player. He's played a whole lot of snaps. You know Rodney Gardner likes to play a lot of guys. Of course, he plays that edge position, one of those Leo spots. And I think he does a good job. He's not super, super productive in terms of getting sacks and all that, but he's starting to disrupt the passer, starting to make things difficult for the passer the more he plays. And so he's had his most productive year so far. He had 36 tackles this year, six TFLs, three sacks. All these stats are before the bowl game. Um, But he'll also have those freshmen that saw a little bit of action, especially one of those in Joshua Josephs and James Pierce. Uh, to be back as well with a year under their belt. So Joshua Josephs, who continued to get more and more and more playing time as the year went on. And James Pierce, who only saw action during mop-up duty, but he's got a big frame, and I think he can add 20 to 25 pounds of weight easily. I think he can be a force as the year goes on if he continues to keep his head down, work, mature. Um, all that, That's the thing for all these freshmen, but, but, but for guys like James Pierce, I think he can be a real stud. So um, Joshua Josephs, he finished with nine tackles this year, two and a half TFLs and a sack, and then he played another 40 snaps in the Orange Bowl. Uh, at the other side of the line, so we'll go away from Leo. Leo's spot is that kind of that hybrid uh, outside linebacker defensive lineman. Most of the time you have a hand in the dirt, but you can step up uh, in a two-point stance. You can you can you know drop back into coverage in the hook curl, the flat. Um, sometimes you're a man coverage. You never want that to happen, but that's the Leo spot. That's the Byron Young spot that I'm talking about. Um, on the other side, the traditional defensive end spot, uh, Tyler Barron is going to be returning, uh, which is which is huge. Um, he played more snaps this year. I think he was more productive this year, but or he didn't start this year, but I think his production was better this year. And ultimately, I have to go check PFF. I'm sorry, I should have done this. I think he ended up playing more snaps this year because... He didn't start. He lowered his snap count on, on an on-game per basis, but that allowed him to be out there more, if that makes sense. 
Um, but he he comes back, and I thought he was super productive at time. Um, he's flashed against Pittsburgh, flashed against Missouri. In those two games combined, he had eight tackles, six TFLs, two sacks, a forced fumble. He had a big-time stop right for the halftime in Orange Bowl whenever Kay Klubnick made that horrible decision to run it on third down with no timeouts. Um, so, you know, Tyler Barron's coming back. Let's see here. Dominic Bailey's coming back. He got a part of that rotation. Um, he had 12 stops this season. Tyree West is a guy that plays that spot. He saw himself primarily in pass rushing, pass rushing situations, but I think as he continues to grow and develop, he'll turn into a more every-down type player. Um, but, you know, it was good to see him get out there and get his toes wet as a freshman in 2022. On the interior, you bring back guys who started the majority of the season and Amari Thomas and DJ Terry Thomas. He's a leader of this defense. He's getting better and more productive from the interior each and every game that he plays, I feel like. Uh, Terry was also a guy that's not super productive, but he was in there and, and did some things. I think he got better. Saw his TFL and sack numbers jump in his second season in Tennessee. Karat Garland could return if he elects to. He has a COVID year of eligibility left. i got to be honest with you. I'm not sure if he will. I'm not sure if he is. He started, I want to say maybe game one or game two, but then his snaps really went down. I mean, he was, he didn't play in the orange bowl. I think he was getting like an average of like eight or nine snaps a game there towards the end. Uh, Tennessee also has internal options and Bryson Eason who started the orange bowl. And I think he's a freak. Um, I, I mean, you talk about a guy that was a linebacker in high school, you know, came down and played the defensive end spot two years ago. He continues to get bigger, bigger and bigger and stronger. And now he's an interior guy. He's, but he, but he still has the athleticism of a linebacker. I think the sky is the limit for Bryson Eason. So Bryson Eason will be back. Elijah Simmons, I believe, will be back. And then Amari McNeil, who actually played 17 snaps in the Orange Bowl. How about that? Amari McNeil and then uh, Jason Jenkins is still on roster as well. Who is gone? Well, you know, Byron Young. That's the first one that jumps out at you. Uh, he has a, has a Reese's Senior Bowl invitation. He'll go and play in that. He will be drafted this spring in the NFL draft. He's a first-team All-SEC all SEC defender. He had 34 tackles, a team high, 10 TFLs, five sacks. Um, really, really good player in Byron Young. And if you if you didn't read my article that I put up at ballquest.com earlier this week, um, it was from a media availability after the Orange Bowl. And he just kind of, you know, said, Hey, he was like, Hey, I, I didn't know if I was gonna play in this game. And I was I was really going back and forth, and then I started second guessing myself when I was going to play in this game. He's like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I played in this game. Um, you know, that was a really good story. Not not because I wrote it, but because of the comments and the quotes that I use from him. Go check it out at VolQuest.com. Uh, Latrell Bumpus is also going to be gone, and he was sneaky productive the last two years here, for, or the last year here for Tennessee. He's finally exhausted his eligibility. He came in as a tight end, played, I think he came in as a, I don't know, Latrell Bumpus and Princeton fan played a ton of ton of different uh, positions here, but Bumpus ended up on the defensive side of the football Emptying the tank this year with 21 tackles, three and a half TFLs, a forced and a recovered fumble. Um, he really started transitioning into that starting role over Tyler Barron about midway through the season. And so Bumpus will be a loss as well, but nobody's loss is going to be bigger than Byron Young. Jordan Phillips departed this Tennessee team. I think he's actually committed to Maryland now. He entered the transfer portal. That's a little surprising to me. Um, you know, Jordan Phillips is the guy you just got to stay true. Stay true to yourself. Stay, stay the course. Rodney Garner plays so many defensive linemen, so I'm not sure why, as a freshman, you would want to jump ship. Um, everybody's got their reasons, obviously, but Jordan Phillips entered the transfer portal. And then who's coming in at the defensive line? Well, 
Um, you know Josh Heifel's made it an absolute priority to get quarterback and guys who can get after the quarterback his first two cycles here in Tennessee. His first cycle, he landed Joshua Josephs, and he landed James Pierce. In this cycle, guys that just signed, Caleb Herring, number one player in the state of Tennessee at Leo. Shandavian Bradley, number one player in Missouri, um, you know, committed to Tennessee or signed with Tennessee as a Leo. So those are two guys in that Leo position that are that have signed and you know are developing and are you know I believe oh Caleb Herring definitely is he practiced there in bowl season I believe Shandavion Bradley is also going to be here for spring semester I might need to go double check on that but he has just wrapped up playing the Under Armour All American game or at least he's there for that week those two guys can get out for the passer really really good additions for Tennessee both top seventy five national prospects according to on three um, of course Herring is the younger brother to Elijah Herring the linebacker. Five-star David Hobbs on the interior. Boy, that was a good get. People say, you know, Tennessee didn't close strong. Tennessee didn't do anything. This winning didn't do anything. Well, first of all, this winning is going to help with the class of 2024. Um, all the hay was essentially in the barn almost for Tennessee before they even snapped the football this year. Had 21 hard commits before the football snapped back in September. But what did Tennessee do in that time period? Well, it got its running back. It wanted Khalifa Keith. It's... Um, they got Arian Carter right before signing day, the linebacker from the Mid-States. And then right around Thanksgiving, it got a five-star defensive lineman in David Hobbs. Tennessee closed really strong. Uh, David Hobbs, again, was a huge get, considered the number 20 prospect in the country uh, per the on-three rankings. Tennessee's also bringing in Tyree Weathersby, who I think is the most underrated guy in this class. He's an absolute stud at 6'4", 250 pounds. He beats everybody down on kickoff team at his high school. Um, I think he can play a number of techniques for Tennessee. And then you have in-state guys, Nathan Robinson and Trevor Duncan. Trevor Duncan here at Knox Catholic in Knoxville and Nathan Robinson of Greenbrier in the Mid-State. So that is a look at what Tennessee's defensive line will look like in 2023. We'll continue to roll through some of these here in the next days or two. Maybe maybe those can be some of those pre-recorded episodes where I kind of break down those positions. We've already done, to my knowledge, running backs, Wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen. We've done everybody on offense except quarterbacks. On defense, we've done defensive line today. We did linebackers. And I think we have the secondary to do, maybe the corners and the safeties. I think I split those. And then we have the specialists and quarterbacks. That's really all we have left to do. But that's all the time we have for this week of Lockdown Balls, for this day here on a Friday. Appreciate you guys for hanging out as always. Please, if you're watching this and you haven't subscribed to the channel, Please help me out. Subscribe to the channel. Um, it helps me be. It helps me do this for a living. I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. This is this is my livelihood. So if you're watching and you like what you see, please subscribe. If you're watching and you say, "Hey, I'm never coming back. I hate that guy." Well, go ahead and subscribe anyway. It's not gonna hurt anything, right? Thank you guys as always for watching. Hit this like button, the thumbs up. Thank you for listening wherever you find your podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Play, on Google Play, on Spotify. You know, whatever your Odyssey app, whatever you're listening to. And uh, we're going to be back on Monday, same time, same place. Guys, stay safe. Enjoy your weekend. This is Locked on Balls.